Young Leadership Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Verschero, and so glad you joined us today. And our phone call is reaching out today all the way up to beautiful Traverse City, Michigan, where I have on the other end of my line a friend that I've known for a number of years, someone I'm really proud to associate with, and really an all-around great guy. His name is Josh Hart. Josh, welcome to our show. Thanks so much for having me, Vic. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's good to have you here. And without sounding too weird, I have to tell you, you've got a million-dollar smile. And this is the only time I'm sad we're on radio instead of on TV because wish everybody could see how you light up the room whenever you're around. Josh, I was just thinking you would be somebody really fun to talk to here on Leadership Lowdown. And so I'm glad you took time out to be with us. Now, you're always on the move, and I'm always trying to keep pace with you. So where have I caught up with you right now? What's your current role in the professional world? Well, I tell you what, Vic, that means a lot because I've always been told that I have a face for the radio and a voice for the newspaper. So. <laughs> well, you're doing good. Talking about the smile means a lot. Yeah, so I live in Traverse City with my beautiful wife and our lovely dog, Riley. And I am the manager of commercial lines business for Burns & Wilcox in Michigan. So Burns & Wilcox is a wholesale insurance broker based out of Farmington Hills, Michigan. And we're nationwide. We're actually, we're worldwide. We have uh-huh. offices in Europe and South America. So we're thrilled to be here. And I'm thrilled to be part of the company and talking to you today, Vic. Well, and I can honestly say with some very much confidence that Burns & Wilcox has definitely snared themselves a lion when it comes to you. I just know the kind of background and some of the things that we'll unpack here today that You've kind of earned your stripes and have been around. And it wouldn't be right if we didn't take just a moment to uh, do a shout out to your insurance roots. You've got a dad that spent the majority of his career in the insurance business as well. His name's Dave Hart and an all-around great guy, right? You know, I, a few years ago, I'd argued with you about the great guy, but as of now, <laughs> <laughs> well, retirement will do that to you. <laughs> boss for a long time, and we think very highly of you. Yeah, my dad was uh, no doubt the inspiration of my career, and he was with Farm Bureau for the better part of 25 years, and yeah. it was a great way for me to grow up. I started off in his office taking out the trash and collecting coins for payment, and I worked <laughs> my way here, so it's been a fantastic lifestyle so far. That's really cool. Of course, we need to say hi to Sandy because she's the brains of the operation as well, right? Tell you what, she holds the house down. My mommy is the best, and I will call her my mommy as long as I live. So I love her. <laughs> well, what you need to know is that Josh is a pretty big strapping guy. And so when he says mommy to his little bitty mother, I think that's kind of funny because you could probably hold her in one hand, can't you? I absolutely could, and I love her to death, so I'd do anything for her. Well, that's great. And one of the things I thought would be a lot of fun here today and is, uh, first of all, just because you're just – a really fun guy to be around, but I also want to make sure that we spend just a little bit of time talking about your football career because I have a theory, and I really don't know the answer to this, but I have a theory that some of the lessons you learned playing football actually translate into the business environment as well. So first of all, is that a good premise? Is that a good place for us to start? That sounds fantastic. I think you hit it right on the head right there. You know, it's fascinating. I like to tell everybody that I talk to, you know, I played high school football. I love my high school football team. I, you know, I grew up on a dirt road in northern Michigan. I <laughs> yeah. didn't, that pizza got delivered until I went to college. <laughs> and I say that kind of jokingly, but pretty seriously. And it's, you know, it's fascinating when I think the world would be a lot better place if we could drop everybody into a football locker room for a couple months, <laughs> you know? When I came from Northern Michigan, and I went to a Division three school at Olivet College, just south of Lansing. I love the school. Huge shout-out to Olivet. But I met folks there that were from such different backgrounds and, you know, so diverse. And you make friends that are lifelong friends, and you go back with them. And you go, you know, whether it's Thanksgiving or Christmas or a long weekend, 
and you go back and spend time with their family and you, you learn so many things mm-hmm. that are so different than how you were raised and it's absolutely fascinating and I think it you know it's kind of a melting pot of how the world should get together and we're just ripped apart and diverse in so many ways that people just go this way and that way and they're so far left right whatever it might be they don't come together and just have a conversation yeah. in a full locker room you have a conversation in a huddle you have a conversation it might have a few choice words in there but you always have that conversation and you have a conversation. It's a melting pot of the world to me. I think the world would be a lot better place if we could all go through that locker room experience. Well, I love that thought. You know, and of course, I had a football experience myself. It was high school. I didn't make college because uh, of an injury. But the interesting part about your background with Olivet, I want to make sure we give a shout out to them, is that they have an excellent insurance background, that program there in Olivet. Did you take the insurance coursework in Olivet or did you go a different track? Yeah, no, that, I'm so glad you mentioned that. I went to Olivet, and I was in the insurance program, but when I went there, I was kind of too cool for school, if you will. I thought I was, you know, there to play football, and I was this, that, and I was a hot shot. I tell you what, after two years, I went from sitting in the back row to sitting in the front row to becoming president of the program of insurance, and it completely changed my life. So cool. Well, you know, honestly, Josh, that's part of what we want to talk about today is some of the things that have influenced life along the way for you and how those things have played out. And I'm really glad you took time out from your busy schedule to be with us today. I'm so glad you tuned in to the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Versher. for a home equity line of credit? Ask for LaughQ. Stop in today or go to LaughQ.com slash home equity. LaughQ, your credit union for life. Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Vercero, and I'm so having uh, so much fun talking to an old friend of mine, Josh Hart. He is the manager of commercial lines for Burns and Wilcox. And of course, that is a great worldwide organization of insurance. And we're talking about his humble roots all the way back to Olivet, Michigan. I just love the notion of going back there. And so in doing so, you said something, Josh, that really snapped my head because it's something I believe in. And I'm going to get in trouble here, but at least it's what I believe. When I've seen so many conferences, and whether it's insurance conferences or any kind of business conference, I got guys that come in and look for the row in the back. And they sit there basically in the back because they can slip out whenever they want to. They can take a phone call, a smoke break, whatever it is. They can talk. They can do whatever they're doing with their devices and such. 
But those people that are in the front row, their pens are up, they're engaged, they're staring at the speaker, they're trying to take in all they can do. And so there's a thing called the million dollar round table in the insurance business, and I know you're aware of it, but that million dollar round table has all of the world's greatest producers and they have to qualify to attend, and they go to that conference, and it is competitive to get to the front rows because that's where all of the people that are engaged, excited, and want to learn and want to consume everything are sitting. So when you said I went from the back row to the front row, it brought a smile to my face because I'm thinking that's the kind of guy that when I was hiring salespeople or I was hiring somebody in my organization, I wanted the person that was fighting to be in the front row because they were engaged and committed. So you learned that lesson pretty early, didn't you? I did. And I tell you what, I learned it the hard way. I think we'll touch on this a little bit later, but we talk about mentors. So I had a gentleman that was two years older than me. His name is Gabe Pringle, and he works for Guy Hurley, an insurance agency in the Detroit area. And he was the president of the insurance organization at that time at Olivet. And he came up to me and he said, Josh, I was sitting in the back row. I was doing the bare minimum. It was my freshman year. And he came up to me and said, Josh, you have all the potential in the world. Why don't you come sit up front? And why don't you come under my wing? And I teach you how to get scholarships. I teach you how to get internships. And I teach you to take advantage of all the stuff that Olivet College offers you. And it was absolutely fascinating to me. And he tell you what, within two weeks, he took me from the back row to the front row. Uh, it continued to be lifelong friends to this day. Oh, and he completely cool. changed my life. Well, and isn't it something, you know, and Josh, as a young person, how old would you have been when you got that message? Probably 20 years old? Yeah, probably 18, 19, to be honest. Yeah. That well, you know, when somebody wraps their arm around you and says, hey, I see something in you, you can be something special. When that happens, I don't care what age you are, but the younger the better, man, that's a powerful catalyst to your internal self and the whole thing of the what-ifs that are coursing through your mind, right? I tell you what, I tried to put on this tough guy persona, but it gave me the warm, fuzzy feelings, and it made me feel good and want to be involved, and it made me want to not let him down. Yeah, yeah, that's another great thing, not let him down because he took the time to invest in you. And so this is something I think is so powerful about mentorship. You can pay it forward now that you're actually in a position where you've got some authority, you've got some experience, and you've got a chance to do that. You can be the one that wraps your arm around somebody and says, hey, I think there's something special in you. Why don't we talk, uh, let's have a cup of coffee and talk about where you're going in life. Man, what a gift that truly is to somebody that's just trying to find their way in the world. And, and of course, one of the things that I don't want to get too far from this discussion is that you found part of the way that you walked through the world was through your football experience. And you were from the Gaylord High School area, right? That's where you played your high school football. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so then when you got down to Olivet, things changed. And I have to tell you, I had a buddy of mine that played for Cornell University, and I always thought I was a pretty good football player. And uh, he told me that he said, Vic, the hardest hit that you will take in high school is like the regular hits that you're taking in football in college. And what do you think of that comment? Do you agree? I tell you what, I couldn't agree more. It's hilarious that you say that because I went down there and I had had shoulder surgery after my senior year in high school. I had a shoulder injury. And I went down there and I went to the training room. And, you know, I thought I was good to go when I went out to my first practice. And these guys were running so much faster, hitting so much harder than I'd ever been hit in my life. And they were almost ripping my shoulder off. And I went into the training room and they said, Josh, this is nothing like you've ever been hit before. This is different. We need to be careful with you for a couple of weeks until this is completely healed up. 
But, uh, yeah, absolutely, I agree. Well, and I think it's really kind of funny because, you know, when you're playing in high school, you're playing against those guys that are just dreaming about a chance to play a little versus the guy that might be all-conference. And when you get to college, almost everybody is all-conference that you're running up against. And so they're all just great, tough, interesting people. So when we get back from our break here in a second, I want to talk to you about the notion of lessons learned from that football team experience. So as you think about that, you've got a few things you can unpack for us, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to that, Josh. I'm so glad that you took time out to be with us here on the Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Vershero. I've got Josh Hart with me. Holy cow. I'm all excited. And I'm so excited that you're with us. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Chris Holman, and as past chair of the National Small Business Association and a small business owner myself, I understand when you run a business, you rely heavily on your computer network. Now, you cannot afford lost data, lost customer information, and that's why you should trust your technology needs to ASK. Contact ASK at 877-ASK-4ASK for a free audit and analysis of your technology needs. That's 877-ASK-4ASK. Or find them on the internet at www.justask.net. ASK, taking the hassle out of technology so that you can run your business. Thanks for tuning in to Leadership Lowdown. This is Vic Bershaw right here on the Michigan Business Network with Josh Hart with me today. He, of course, is the manager of commercial lines for Burns and Wilcox. And, of course, that's a great organization, an insurance organization. But we're talking a little bit of football and, and where um, Josh got some of his early lessons. And, of course, the lessons learned, I can think of a handful that came out of my high school experience. I guess I'd open it up to you, Josh. Is it high school or college? Tell us about some of the things that you think that translate over into the business world. Absolutely. You know, I think it's a little bit of both. But I think that really the main thing when it comes down to is there's two parts for me. You have to have key mentors. When I was in high school, I played varsity as a sophomore. So I had these seniors that I was terrified of. But they became friends. They became mentors. They become leaders to me. And then also the coaches throughout the whole, whether it was high school or college, Life is too short to avoid the difficult conversations to me. I think that's what I gained the most that translates into business. There's a lot of things where you can sugarcoat it. You can say, oh, I love this job. I love this. I love everything. Try to give everybody the warm, fuzzy feeling. Well, that's BS. You know, it comes down to life is full of difficult conversations. And what football really taught me, whether it was high school or college or anything I've done in the future, that life is too short to avoid those difficult conversations. Mm -hmm. Go in, let's be personable with people. Let's be honest and upfront. You know, I'm not trying to make enemies, but at the same time, 
in the business world, you have to do what you can do to make it the best that you can. Mm -hmm. And if you avoid those difficult conversations, you're prolonging it for everybody. So I think that's the biggest takeaway I would take from football. I just love that. I think that that's so true. We call it crucial conversations. And of course, crucial conversations uh, in business oftentimes don't take place because of politics, because people are trying not to hurt anybody's feelings, whatever the issue is. But, you know, in the game of football, you know, I can remember distinctly my quarterback, Jeff Powell, I was pulling guard for our team and he grabbed me by the face mask in in the huddle and he said, would you block? (laughs) And I thought, well, it never occurred to me, but I guess he could give it a go, you know. But, you know, I think that's what's so funny is that in business, we don't tend to have face masks to hang on to. We don't oftentimes get in a spot where we're raising our voice. But you said it. if we did. It would, I, I think you'd get a lot clearer, you know, that things would be a lot better. You know, that friend of mine from Cornell, him and I worked together early on in our careers. He mentioned to me that it was so frustrating for him because at the end of a tough day at school, he could always get on the football field and take out his aggression. So he could go hit somebody hard and really do all of those kind of physical things and just have a release. But his observation was in the business world, you get frustrated or get uh, upset. You don't have that physical release. So you had to kind of dial it in a little bit. Did you find that when you got into the transition from football into some of the business things that you were doing, were there vast differences that didn't relate that you had to dial it back a little bit? Yeah, I would say exactly what you just said. You know, it's a really easy at a practice to grab somebody in the face mask. And, you know, it's fun. I'm watching the man in the arena right now with Tom Brady. Oh, yeah. Plus, and, you know, he's grabbing Jeff Saturday's face mask and screaming at some of these guys. And it's fascinating to listen to him. It would be a lot easier if you could do that in the business world, but you can't. Yeah. And I don't want to say you sugarcoat things, but you have to go in there with a political correctness and you have to go in there and say stuff that you couldn't say on the practice field, you know, to transition into a business setting. But at the same time, it's imperative. And I was very bad at this my first five or six years in the industry where I was a yes person. I would say yes to everything that anybody asked. I would say yes to whatever they said. I would affirm that they were correct in anything they asked. And finally, I learned, you know, Josh, you have to really step up into this role and you have to be a person that you can give feedback. You can give whether it probably isn't what they want to hear, but it's critical feedback for what they're listening to. And you can really make a better organization if you'll have those difficult conversations. I think it's really key. And it took me a long time to have the guts to do that. Yeah. Well, I think that's really interesting because, you know, there's a fine line to walk. When you get hired with an organization, they pay you to bring your brain with you and to make contributions to the conversation. And yet, on the other hand, I think there's a fine line as a young person coming into an organization not to offend a number of people that are there ahead of you and make sure that you're listening first or the old Stephen Covey seek first to understand before you wish to be understood. So I think there's a little bit of that. I remember a friend of mine worked for Procter & Gamble and uh, at the time, you know, and they still are, you know, kind of the place to be in terms of employment. And he got hired in by them and in one of his fairly early meetings, he started his sentence with, well, what I think is, and the guy cut him off, his leader cut him off and said, I don't pay you to think. I pay you to know. And of course, if you think about a young person trying to make a contribution coming right in the gates, you know, that kind of leadership moment is an epic fail in my mind. And I think that's part of what you're suggesting, too, is that when you have new people on the team, you've got to bring them in and make sure they feel like they're welcome to make a contribution right. 
Yeah, you know, Vic, it's funny to hear you talk about that. And so one of my favorite books that I've ever read, it's by Adam Grant. He's a psychology professor in the business department at Wharton. And his book is The Power of Knowing What You Don't Know. It's called Think Again, The Power of Knowing What You Don't Know. And one of the quotes is, you can't allow tradition to get in the way of innovation. Mm. There is a need to respect the past but it's a mistake to revere the past. Oh, wow, that's awesome. Well, we're going to stop right there on this uh, break right now, and that's something to ponder over our commercial break. We're going to go pay some bills right here on the Leadership Lowdown. We'll be right back on the Michigan Business Network. Stay tuned. do so many successful businesses have in common? Proactive legal strategy. The attorneys of Foster Swift, Collins & Smith offer both business and personal legal counsel. For client convenience, they have offices throughout Michigan. Clients know they can count on Foster Swift for all their legal needs, from straightforward wills to sophisticated business transactions and complex litigation. Learn more about Foster Swift and how they can assist you at fosterswift.com. Right here, we found Josh Hart all the way from Traverse City, Michigan. He is the manager of commercial lines for Burns and Wilcox. And of course, he's an old friend of ours and uh, so grateful to unpack some of the basic background. We're talking football here, but he just mentioned a book that I thought was kind of interesting. And it's called Think Again. And was it Adam Grant, the author? Yeah, Adam Grant. Yeah, yeah. he's a professor at Wharton. He's fascinating. Yeah. Tell us the main theme of that book again. Yeah, it's called The Power of Knowing What You Don't Know. And, you know, it's something where a lot of us, and, and, and this is even when I was younger coming up in the industry, you know, I still had a lot of stuff ingrained in my head from, you know, Vic, what you would tell me, what my dad had taught me about insurance. You know, I grew up kind of in the industry, if you will. Yeah. And it's still, it's the power of knowing what you don't know. So there's always a way to look at something a little different. And even if you just twist the scope just a little bit and look at it from a little bit different angle, it's amazing the revelations that you can get from that as you become a leader. If you do that with your team and take what they're saying and we kind of just twist what the thought is just a little bit. Why have we always done it this way? And we twist it just a maybe 90 degrees and think about it a little different way. It's incredible what people will come up with. And the fact that you're being out there and you're being vulnerable as a leader and you're saying, you know what? I don't know everything. Let's solve this as a team. And having that team come in and feel comfortable giving their ideas and giving their opinions what you can come up with it's just absolutely phenomenal yeah well you know it reminds me of something michael gerber said emeth revisited and of course one of the things he said was that people tend to think that they know so much about business and finance and all the things and the truth of the matter is they really don't know enough but the real problem with business is that people try to justify what they already know and i think uh, interesting enough to think about that whole discovery and you know in kids and children i call it wonder because uh, i get around little kids and everything is complete wonder and they're so curious and they're so excited and it's just a new thing for them and as i get crusty and old timer like myself i started looking back and i just don't want to lose that moment of when i really stop and just have such appreciation for something new, for a new thought, 
a new idea and for what those things I can learn about. So in all of this, I just love where this is going. And your experience coming into the business world, did you find that some people were reveling in their traditional past? Because let's face it, the insurance industry is pretty much committed to what it's always been for the last 150 years. Tell you what, no offense, Vic, but the gray hair that is on your head and my dad's head is prevalent very much throughout the industry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Phenomenal thing because of, you know, there's so much knowledge there that we need to gain from. And it's phenomenal for us all to gain from that. But there's also such a gap and there's so much, we've done this because we've always done it this way. Yeah. And they are reveling in their past. And I think if you sit down, but I think that's where it's very important for folks such as myself and now the younger generation coming up from colleges, we have to let our guard down where we're not coming in knowing everything. We can't come off like that. We have to talk with the folks with the gray hair, if you will. And I don't mean that negatively at all, but we need to come in and have be open to those conversations and say, look, I don't know everything. Why don't you teach me and I teach you, you know, as, as I'm having more younger mentors that I'm being the mentor for, it's fascinating. I learn more from them than what I can teach them. And I, I think if everybody's that open and we're that open to having those conversations, we learn from each other. I think that's what is really going to transition the business into the next generation. And I, I think it's so exciting. And if you turn on the news, you get such a negative connotation of a lot of this. But I think if you just get down into the nitty gritty of it and actually talk to the people, I think there's a lot of exciting stuff going on. Well, Josh, let me ask you this, because I'm playing a whole movie in my brain right now. I'm VP. I'm sitting there. I've got a lot of people in my division, and I've got this brand new kid straight out of MSU. He's coming in, and he basically is mentally and metaphorically flipping the tables over. But he's doing it in a real, what I took as a very arrogant and kind of an obnoxious way. Can you speak to that? Because... Look, there is a little bit of that issue where the gray hairs have been earned. And so when you think about that notion, I just know how your style is. And you can tell just about anybody anything with a big smile and no harm, no foul. But can you coach that a little bit for us? How does that sound in the business world? I've always been really, really good with the generation that is, say, 20 to 30 years older than I am and the generation that's younger than I am. I've always struggled with the generation that is, say, 10 years older than I am. And what I've really learned in the past, you know, five or 10 years is I have to be really vulnerable and I have to be really open to admitting that I'm wrong on certain things or open to other ideas. But in turn, what I expect from that is I expect the folks that are in that other generation to be open and vulnerable to new ideas and open to listening. I think that's the key. I think everybody tries to prove that they're right. I think that's the completely wrong way to go about everything. You have to be, you want to go in there and you want to state why you think this is right. And that makes me understand why you think it's right. And then understand where I'm coming from as well and have a conversation. I can't tell you how many conversations my dad and I have had until three in the morning arguing with each other about this exact topic. <laughs> well, and if I know you guys, there might have been a Miller Lite or two in the middle of all that around a bonfire, but that's what makes it fun, <laughs> and that's what makes your dad who he is. So, oh, I'm so glad you're here, Josh, sharing some of your wisdom and some of those things that are well beyond your years. And we're so glad you tuned in to the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Mercero. We're going to be right back.
Stop staring at your phone and plan some fun this winter at Treetops Resort. Dog sledding, tubing, sleigh riding, indoor golfing, ice skating, swimming, racing, snowshoeing, cross-country skiing, scavenger hunting, juggling, or relaxing in the spa. That's just some of the fun you can have. And there's skiing, and snowboarding, and sleeping, and eating, and drinking, and eating and drinking while cross-country skiing. I think you get the point. Get outside and have some fun or be boring. 888-TREETOPS or treetops.com. This is Big Versero right here on the Michigan Business Network, and I've got Josh Hart with me. He's the manager of Commercial Lines, Burns and Wilcox, and of course, uh, Josh, I just love, you kind of did what I did, what I wanted to do with football. I knew I wasn't Division Two or One player, but you played in Division Three. You played in Olivet, which is a fun little school, and uh, you had a lot of fun on it. I'm going to ask you about something that we talk about. We hear it in the pros. We just had a recent example of that, of a pro walking off the field, stripping off his uniform and that kind of thing. I want to know, in your mind, how important is that locker room and team unity, and how do you get on that page, and how does that relate to business? Yeah, it's fascinating that you say that, Nick. And, you know, we all watched Antonio Brown walk off this weekend, and it was tough. But I think what was really cool is Tom Brady came on afterwards and said, you know what, he's no longer going to be on our team but I think that we all have to be compassionate and have empathy and we all have to talk about how we can help him in the future. So I, I think wow. that's one thing you develop these tough relationships. I would say tough relationships, but then they turn into these amazing relationships in the locker room where I will tell you that some of the people when I first went to Olivet and I first went in that locker room, the guys that I absolutely hated the most and disdained, they became some of my best lifelong friends that I mm-hmm. talked to on a daily basis when it comes to business and you learn from each other. Everybody has their strong points and everybody has their weak points, but it, you know, it's a little uglier in the locker room than it is in real world business. But I almost think it's better because, you know, whether we're in the shower or we're in the weight room, whatever it might be, we're having those fights and we're yelling at each other, just screaming. And we are still best friends afterwards and we become better friends because of it and better coworkers, better teammates because of it. So I think that's a little of what is missing in the business world. And obviously there's no way to translate it, but I think that's where it comes back to those difficult conversations. You know, we could have those in a lot different way in the locker room than we have them in the business world, but they're very key to have either way. Yeah, well, and you also brought up something I thought was really powerful is the whole uh, Tom Brady uh, reaction to a teammate stripping off. It's something you don't see every day. And I think one of the things that I'm, really interested in is that's what leaders do is they have compassion and empathy for people that are struggling on the team right or the emotionally gratifying thing to say is well we're glad he's out of here we didn't need him you know and that makes headlines and makes everybody probably print the story even more but when you say something like you know well, we need to work with him that he's got some things going on there that we need to understand. And wow, that's empathy and that's leadership and that's really not a story in today's nasty world. That's the kind of thing what people really do. It's a word that I believe in called grace. And I think grace is an interesting thing because we don't often extend it to others, but boy, we sure expect it from others. And I think that that when you're on a part of a team, trying to understand what's going on and trying to be a part of that, extending a little grace to somebody is really pretty powerful. I think it's very powerful. And if you're the leader of the team, I think it shows the rest of the team that you're behind them too. And you have their back. 
That's a great point. You know, honestly, leaders, the way they treat others is interesting because most people will look at that and go, wow, I think I see what's going on here. I had a chance to work for somebody and that individual would come into my office and complain about another person on the team. And then it always left you thinking, well, I wonder if they're going down the hall talking about me to everybody else. We've got just a little bit of time in this segment. Can you talk about trying to address or correct those locker room? Now, I think what you told me is honest conversations is the important thing. But tell me, when you've got somebody that maybe is not a team fit, have you seen that? What are some answers there? Yeah, I think that's the hardest part is when you realize they're not a fit and you don't want to have that. And I, I hate this term, but it's, you know, the cancer in the locker room. I hate mm-hmm. that term. Mm-hmm. But that is what it is a lot of times. And once you realize that, whether it's a locker room or a workplace, I think you have to act swift. You have to take care of that. And whether it's removing them from the locker room or the office or whatever it might be, it has to be done. The longer you put that off, everybody on the team, everybody in the office sees that. Everybody sees that it's not a fit. And it hurts the morale of the team and of the office or whatever it might be. So it has to be done swiftly because the longer that it hangs there, the more you're going to get aggravated teammates or aggravated, you know, folks in the office working with you. So you have to act swift, but you have to also do it where you have their back and say, you know, look, you're not a fit for us. That doesn't mean you're not a great fit for somebody else. And you're an incredible person because of X, Y, Z intangibles. And how can we help you move on to the next step? I like that. I think that's exactly right, Josh. And one of the things that you reminded me of is the whole notion of when things don't work out, sometimes what happens with good people that are there for all the right reasons, doing the right things every single day, when finally that bad character, that bad actor gets dealt with, a lot of times everybody looks at each other and goes, what took so long? Because everybody can see it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, sometimes those obvious things, that's where leadership has to be able to be in tune, in touch, and take action and make sure it's not in haste, but certainly done within reason and do it on time. So, well, speaking of time, we're almost out of time on this segment, and we've got one precious segment left. So glad Josh Hart is with us today right here on the Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. Thanks for tuning in. Michigan Works Association believes the key to advancing prosperity across the state is accomplished through building a skilled workforce. As the state's primary workforce development association, their focus is to continue to move the needle on policy, education, and collaboration. They're creating an opportunity and building stronger communities by advocating and innovating together. This is Leadership Lowdown. We're in our final segment here with Josh Hart here on the Michigan Business Network. We're so glad Josh is with us today and grateful for his time, certainly. But Josh, the one thing I want to do as a young man that's worked his way through a lot of different variety of different things, some of the experiences I've watched you have in your life, I'm a little jealous of. I'm thinking, man, that kid knows how to live. And I just love some of the things that have happened along the way. But none of those, I'm a big believer that none of it happens alone. And what I mean by that is that there's been somebody somewhere along the way that's picked 
picked you up, dusted you off, whether it's mom putting you back in the game, whether it's a dad kicking you swiftly in the seat of the pants, whether it's somebody emotionally grabbing hold of you and saying, you know what, I expect more out of you. Those kind of moments can change people's lives. And I'm so excited about some of the things that you can share with us. Give me some rundown and your thoughts on mentorship and what it's meant to you through the journey. Well, I'll tell you what, Vic, my mommy and my dad have done both of the above. So I appreciate you bringing that up. And um, they're always going to be my top two mentors. There's no way around it. But when you talk business, I have a little different take on it than probably a lot of folks do. I taught a class at Alabama College for two years and loved it. It was uh, personal branding. So I got to kind of be on that end of it. My entire life, I've always had incredible mentors. So I really break it down into, I feel like I need to have five mentor classes. And I know that sounds like a lot, but for me, I need to have someone that's a peer. So someone that is doing what I'm doing, but has done it for longer and I can learn from them. And I think that's key. And I need to have a direct manager that can give me feedback on what I'm doing. So that's number two is the direct manager. Number three, I feel like you need to have kind of that 30,000 foot level, whether it's the head of marketing or the CEO or whoever might be in your firm that you really aspire to be. I feel like it's very important to have that person. It doesn't even have to be your company. I actually would prefer that it's not because I want to be able to be open and honest. And when you're talking, you know, politics in your own company, it's not always best to talk with someone in senior management about that when you want them to be your mentor. So I think that's number three. Number four, I think you have to have somebody that you aspire to be in your life. And so for me, I've always wanted to be a teacher, a professor, you know, someone that I can give back to society. So two key people for me, one I mentioned earlier is Adam Grant, who's at Wharton, who's a professor there. Dory Clark is another one. She's the author of The Long Game, teaches you about long-term thinking. She's a professor at Duke, fascinating. And then I think the fourth one, it needs to be somebody that you can replace. It needs to be somebody that you're actually paying money for. It's somebody out of your pocket. It's so everything that I've been good at in my entire life, whether it's football or track or wrestling or basketball, I've had a coach. I've had a coach. I might not always agree with that coach, and that's fine. All the coach wanted for me was the best that was out of me. And so I could always switch sports and get a different coach. So when I'm talking about a business coach, most people don't have those. It baffles me why. You've had a coach your entire life. You're good at everything that you're good at. So why not have a coach for business? And all they want is the best for you out of business. And it has to be somebody that you can replace. So if you don't agree with them or they take a left turn and you don't agree with it, you can get another business coach. But that's not a person that's tied to you emotionally. So it's not your dad. It's not your uncle. It's not your you know longtime mentor that you've had since you were 10. It's somebody that is there to make you the best you can be. And if you both fight with each other, you can get rid of them. You can get another one that is going to work with you and do nothing but what they can do to make you the best. I think that's I love what you just did there. So a couple things, and I don't want to take any more time than I have to, but I just want to recap. You actually had these five different categories, which I think is so powerful. We talk a lot about on this show having your own personal board of directors, people that you can go to for a variety of different reasons. And I've never heard it articulated so well in terms of those different categories. I think that's powerful to be able to say that. Can you help us with, you said in terms of having a coach in business, Tell me how that looks like in your life. Is that somebody that you say, hey, can we have a cup of coffee? Or is it somebody that you say, hey, I want to hire you as my coach? Tell me how you formalize that. I tell you what, I worked with him. He was a trainer for a corporate training program that I went through several years ago. And he came to me and he said, Josh, and I left that organization. And he came back to me and said, Josh, you have a lot of potential. 
And what you need is someone that's going to coach you that potential and who's going to attach you into the networks around the country and around the world that you need to be attached to. So I don't care what industry you get into. These are the connections that you need and I can give them to you. And I can work with you to understand how to become one of those connections. It took $5,000 out of my own pocket and I joined his team and he is my coach. We talk weekly and then we have a group call. There's uh, 30 of us that are on it monthly and we're broken off into smaller groups. And I tell you what, the $5,000 that at first I thought was a huge chunk out of my pocketbook, sure. it is back in tenfold. It's mm-hmm. the connections, the just the open and honesty. I can call him and ask him about anything. I don't care about my company. I don't care about anything. I can just be completely honest with him. There's no politics. There's no nothing. And he can say, Josh, you're looking at this like a two-year-old whining child. <laughs> and you need to look at it this way. And he's blunt with me. And that means a lot. I take that constructive criticism great. And I love that. But it's something that a lot of managers can't give because there's politics involved. So it's somebody that's coming at me from an independent third party. And it's really helped me become the best me that I can be. Well, Josh, I can personally attest that I've watched your growth. I've watched the enthusiastically to see a young squirt, if you will, all the way grow up to be a professional individual like yourself and sharing so many great thoughts here with us today. Josh, thanks for your time. I truly appreciate it. Vic, if I could tell you one thing, I don't even know if you're aware of this. This wasn't planned today, but you've been a mentor of mine for a long time. I went to a leadership camp down in Alma College, and you were one of the speakers there. And I don't even know if you remember this, but I was so moved by your speech that I came up and shook your hand. And then at that time, I didn't even know you were my dad's boss. I didn't know anything. You meant the world to me when you gave that speech. And you've been a huge inspiration to me going forward. And so thank you from the bottom of my heart for everything you've done. Oh, you, man, that's a payday. I wasn't expecting, Josh, but I can't thank you enough for it. And I'm so grateful for your time, Josh. So grateful that you tuned in to the Michigan Business Network right here on the Leadership Lowdown. These are the kind of people we talk to, keep people we're proud of to have right here in Michigan. So glad you tuned in. I can't wait to talk to you next time.